Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Jen Psaki getting ready to do the White House press briefing. I want to hear what she has to say. Wake of the State of the Union, wake of his trip to Wisconsin yesterday, President Biden talking about infrastructure, of more aggression from Russia. It's important. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Rumble.com slash Tony Katz. It's Rumble. Rumble.com slash Tony Katz. You want to check that out for yourself. The videos that are there, the daily video series I do over there called the Morning Rumble. But this was great. Jen Psaki yesterday on CNN discussing Russia, discussing Putin, discussing invasion and unprompted. She says this. If I could play it, I'd be so incredibly dangerous. She's discussing the fact that, you know, Putin has this pattern of invading. He, he's got this thing that he does. And, and you got to just understand what the pattern is. President was the vice president the last time Russia invaded Ukraine. This is a pattern of horror from this president, from President Putin and from the cronies around him. That's right. President Biden was the vice president last time Putin invaded a nation. You know, I was at the State Department. The president was the vice president president the last time Russia invaded Ukraine. This is a pattern. Yes, it's a pattern. And the pattern is you. How could she even think of saying this and not recognize how it was going to reflect on her? Stunned. I saw that video. I was stunned. How could she think this wouldn't have an effect? She, Biden is the connective tissue. <laughs> I, I, I still am amazed. I am amazed at what uh, she can say and, and get away with it. Something else I'm amazed by, uh, before Jen Psaki starts speaking, allow me. Allow me to go into the place where they say you're not allowed to go. Oh, I'm going. I'm going. I'm diving in feet first. Water's fine. Is anybody going to notice that nothing is okay regarding Nancy Pelosi? Her behavior at the State of the Union is ridiculous, is peculiar, is awkward, is alarming. The way she's kind of rubbing her hands together, but she has them in fists. The way she constantly, is it moving her dentures or whatever it's going on? The absolutely peculiar, maniacal smile. Don't tell me I can't notice. I notice about Joe Biden. I notice about Nancy Pelosi. Don't tell me this is a sexist thing. I'm not listening to that crazy. Crazy is Nancy Pelosi. If you think Nancy Pelosi's behavior was fine at the State of the Union, you have a threshold that's super low. She's a creepy freak. I don't think she's okay. She's, is she just really happy that it wasn't Trump? Was she just, was she really happy that, that you know, look at us, we have all the power. <laughs> but she wasn't doing the thing with the fingers. She was doing it like knuckle to knuckle in in a fist she's rubbing her she's rubbing her little fist together like maybe she'll start a fire 
You saw a woman doing that on the streets, you'd give her a quarter and ask her if she needed uh, directions to a halfway house. You'd be walking over to a cop and saying, that woman needs psychiatric help bad. You wouldn't. You wouldn't think that's normal. I want to know why we can't talk about the level of abnormal. They talked about Trump and abnormal all the time. Okay, sure. Knock yourself out. Compared to Nancy Pelosi, Donald Trump is the model of mental health. Compared to to Joe Biden, poster child. When will the Democrats start looking for people who maybe aren't 142 years old? And if you tell me that's ageism, (laughs) what does any of that matter? It's ridiculous already. The oldest people around, the oldest people possible, and they really have lost their ability to act and interact. It's crazy to witness. And I want to know when did it become impossible for us to say. Because I don't think it should be impossible for us to say. I think we should say it. I think we should say it over and over and again and again. Nancy Pelosi's daughter once said that, you know, Nancy Pelosi, oh, she's so tough. She'll, ha- she'll cut off your head five minutes before you know it's missing. Um, the way she holds her hands, she can't hold a knife. You think I'm worried about that woman? Maybe in her day, and I'm not going to say no to this, yes to this, the master legislator, she understood how to whip the, uh, the, her, her people. Absolutely true. She has been overrun by the progressive party. Trump broke her. And now this. The people of San Francisco still want to have faith in her. They're more than welcome to. But America? America should not. Jen Psaki's press conference Coming up, what is the latest and how Liz Cheney is working on the important... I can't I can't say it. Oh, I was going to say Liz Cheney's working on important things, but it was just too funny to say. I've got that coming up too. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So Joe Manchin is considering... Bringing back Build Back Better. Oh my God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Not that Build Back Better. A pared down, lower cost version of Build Back Better. He's more than welcome to. The progressives won't go for it. Tony Katz. Tony Katz. Today, it's good to be with you. He, he's saying, look, it's, it's not even a thing. It's just a discussion, right? We're just, we're just chat a little bit, chit-chat, little blah, 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 blah. Progressives won't go for it. They'll just use it as a moment to excoriate him for not doing what the progressives wanted. And if they were to go for it, they'll be seen as selling out. They want all. They don't want nothing. When Rashida Tlaib has a, a, uh, makes a rebuttal to the State of the Union from a Democratic president, It's to put him on notice that he's not progressive enough. That's the purpose. That's the whole dang plan. You think they're going to somehow work with with Joe Manchin because he gave them the opportunity? They hate Joe Manchin. They hate Joe Manchin with passion. 
And so they're not going to go for anything like this. I don't even know why he's putting it forward. To, to say that he did? Is he putting it forward so he, they can, you know, he can claim, look, now I, I, I tried to work with these people. I tried to work with my party. Yeah, it's just they don't, uh, they, they, they don't want it. They don't want it at all. Meanwhile, The Daily Show, under fire, because Trevor Noah is a coward. They put out a tweet during the State of the Union, and the tweet read, Biden right now. And it was a picture of a battery, like your phone battery on empty and how it needs to be recharged. That's funny. Right? He's running out of juice. He's running out of juice. And Democrats and progressives got so upset by it, so upset by it, they deleted it. Cow words. Meanwhile, Jen Psaki has started the uh, press briefing. Let's uh, take it to her. The more than 60 million workers who are subject to mandatory arbitration clauses in the workplace, often without realizing it until they come forward with a claim against their employer. President Biden has long spoken against forced arbitration clauses in employment contracts, and today marks an important milestone in empowering survivors of sexual assault and sexual harassment and protecting employee rights. The bill would not have been possible without bipartisan work, including from those members of Congress who will be in attendance today, Representatives Bustos and Representative Griffith and Senator Gillibrand and Senator Graham. Also wanted to note, um, it is Aisha Roscoe's last day in the briefing room uh, seat before, yes. Thank you for all of your work. Um, and she's going on, I mean, you've already announced this. I feel like I'm announcing news, but it's been announced uh, to host Weekend Edition for NPR as an NPR listener. I look forward to being in my sweatpants and coffee and listening to you this weekend. So congratulations and thank you for all of your work on behalf uh, of the American people. Uh, with that... Colleen, why don't you kick us off? All right. Um, so I wanted to ask about oil prices. Sure. Um, they're already about 111 or so dollars a barrel. Um, Pelosi has come out also in support of banning Russian oil. So why carve out, uh, you know, especially when oil, with the argument that Putin is, uh, benef- is going to not benefit from um, oil? You know what I'm trying to say? Yes, I think I do know what you're trying to say. Uh, Well, our objective and the president's objective uh, has been to maximize impact on President Putin and Russia while minimizing impact to us and our allies and partners. And I know you've heard me say this a few times before, but we don't have a strategic interest in reducing the global supply of energy. Uh, And that would raise prices at the gas pump for the American people uh, around the world um, because it would reduce the supply available. And it's as simple as less supply raises prices. Uh, And that is certainly a big factor for the president uh, in this uh, at this moment. It could also it also has the potential to pad the pockets of President Putin, which is exactly what we are not trying to do. So. Uh, As the president has said, we uh, carved out payments for energy trade and transport from our financial sectors, sanctions, with that in mind. Um, I would also note that we are also take, we have been taking steps to uh, degrade Russia's status as a leading energy supplier over time. That includes, of course, uh, shutting down Nord Stream 2 or preventing Nord Stream 2 from uh, operating. Uh, That's why we're surging LNG 
uh, to Europe to help accelerate its diversification from Russian gas. And I think you've also seen European leaders talk about the need to reduce their reliance uh, and to diversify. Um, and we are continuing to look at other options we could take right now to cut U.S. consumption of Russian energy. I mean, for us, uh, if you look at publicly available data, it's only about 10 percent of our imports. Uh, but again, reducing the supply out there uh, would uh, have an impact on prices and on uh, prices at the gas pump. I guess the question is, if oil is already so expensive, isn't he already benefiting from a very from the from an already costly you know price of oil? How does he stand to benefit if you continue um, to allow that? Uh, if it reduces further, it makes it more expensive. Um, so I think we look at it through that prism. Go ahead. On the, the cost of this, I mean, the president has sort of braced American people for this, right? He said that you know, defending democracy and liberty is never without a cost. So is it just that banning all Russian oil and gas imports, that's just a cost that he thinks is too much for the American people to bear? Well, I think there's two different pieces here. Banning roy ro royal, banning Russian imports, right? Or uh, what he has done is carved out payments for energy trade and transport from our financial sanctions. Uh, they're slightly two different things. Uh, and the president, uh, the, the, the uh, volatility in the oil markets, uh, as the president has been predicting and as you referenced, he talked about in the speech he gave last week, is a direct result of the fact that President Putin invaded Ukraine. And that has created volatility. One of the, the big reason, of course, that the president announced the release of the strategic of 30 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and the coordinated release is to address that and ensure we are doing what we can to put more uh, in the marketplace. But again, our, or his uh, prism, he looks at this through, is how can we maximize impact on President Putin while minimizing it on the American people? And President Zelensky has called on Russia to be stripped of its ability to vote in the UN Security Council. Uh, does the U.S. want Russia to be removed as a permanent member? Uh, we don't see that happening. Um, we certainly uh, understand um, uh, you know, they have a permanent seat on the Security Council. Of course, uh, that is why it's so particularly disturbing that Russia, given its particular responsibility for upholding the UN Charter, is actively subverting the Charter, charter and abusing its position. Uh, the fact is they have a permanent, we don't, uh, we're really focused on isolating them, really, on isolating Russia and holding them accountable. And as you know, that's what we and our allies are, are focused on doing. President Zelensky is uh, calling again for a no-fly zone over Ukraine. Is that something you're giving any thought to at all? Uh, again, the reason why uh, that has not been a step the president has been willing to take or we have been interested in taking is because a no-fly zone requires implementation. It would require essentially the U.S. military shooting down Russian planes and causing a prompting a potential direct war with Russia, something the exact step that we want to avoid. When the president of Finland visits tomorrow, does the president want to talk to him about joining NATO? Well, the president is looking forward uh, to welcoming uh, the president of Finland tomorrow to the White House to continue their conversations about enhancing our strong bilateral relations. I would note that they have spoken twice in the last few months, once on December 13th and again on January 18th. Um, I would expect they will discuss the U.S.-Finnish defense relationship, which is uh, very strong and, in fact, complements Finland's close partnership with NATO. Along with Sweden, Finland's status is as an enhanced opportunity partner for the alliance, which helps 
ensure strong defense and close security ties in the Baltic Sea region. Uh, but it remains uh, for any country up to that country and up to uh, members of NATO to determine any path forward there. And lastly, Russia has been cracking down on independent media and dissent at home. What's your reaction to that? Uh, we have seen that and are deeply concerned. Let me give you some specific examples, because as journalists yourself, I think it will, you will hear it uh, as quite uh, jarring. One moment. Sorry, I just want to find all the specifics in here. Um, <clears throat> thank you for your patience. Um, She's literally thumbing through pages. Okay. to get to whatever it is okay. she wants to tell you um, that isn't actually accurate. The Kremlin right now is engaged in a full assault on media freedom and the truth. Let me give you some examples. Uh, today, independent media sites such as Echo Mosky Radio and TV Rain are off the air and threaten to block and uh, or they kick them off the air and they threaten to block online platforms such as VOA Russia. Uh, they have, uh, we've seen Russia prohibit Russian media from referring to what they are doing in Ukraine as, quote, a war or, quote, an invasion or, quote, an attack. They are banning their use of terms even, allowing media to use only government-sourced information to report on the war. They've called a special, special session of the parliament to consider a bill to make unofficial reporting on Russia's further invasion punishable by up to 15 years in prison. They've arrested more than 7,300 protesters, some immediately after they began to protest Putin's war of choice. Uh, they, have, uh, they have blocked and shut down social media sites such as Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and they've limited the amount of dollars citizens can take out of the country. What they are trying to do is block any information about what they are are doing to invade a sovereign country, and they're taking se uh, severe steps to do exactly that. Go ahead. Just to follow up, is the administration moving closer to banning Russian oil imports? I don't have any assessment of that for you. I just wanted to note the difference between them or that there are several different components of options. I guess the question is, what's the calculus in waiting if it's ultimately the step that the United States is going to take? Well, there's, an, there's a policy process that is undergone for any decision that is made. Sometimes those move rapidly, and often there are a range of factors that are discussed as those decisions are made. They don't actually want to stop the Russian oil. They don't want to sanction the Russian oil. Whether that be for our own reasons in terms of increasing oil prices, which will make it far more difficult for re-election, or for things behind the scenes uh, that would make us scream. Just seems obvious. The January 6th committee figured it out. They cracked the code. They did what the FBI could not. If you want to believe those kinds of things. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, and of course, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. Keep it right here. This is Tony Katz today. an end to the carve-out uh, should be clear that that would rise, raise prices. Go ahead. Thanks, Jen. To uh, have just listened to Jen Psaki be yeah. so absolutely crappy with Jackie Heinrich of Fox News, who asked the right question. If we're still buying Russian oil, aren't we funding war? And Jen Psaki's answer was, well, it's only, you know, 10% of what we purchase. Oh, Okay, 
So we're only responsible for 10% of the Ukrainian lives that are being taken by the Russian forces. Is that the argument you want to make with America? Super groovy. It's remarkable how rude she is, how crude she is. But I mean, she, she's not alone in this. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. Did you check out Chuck Schumer earlier today? This is amazing. In the coming months and beyond, Senate Democrats will maintain a focus on one of the most vexing issues facing American families, lowering costs while building on the wage and job growth we've seen over the past year. The American economy is booming compared to a year ago. The number of new jobs added to the economy is staggering. We've added more than six million new jobs in a single year, including the most, the most new manufacturing jobs in decades. Doesn't he sound super excited about it? You know, they said this during the State of the Union, that they've grown jobs at the rate of which we've never seen before in America. The Biden administration has never created a job. To date, they have created zero jobs. And Chuck Schumer is a liar. People going back to work because they were told they couldn't go to work a year ago is not the creation of jobs. It is a lie told by a liar, and Chuck Schumer is a gigantic liar. This shouldn't be so difficult for people to get through their heads. It's just a lie. Yet he keeps on pushing it. It's just like Ron Klain. This is the White House Chief of Staff trying to explain to you, you see, the reason that you don't understand how good the economy is is because you just you just haven't accepted it in your heart yet. I've worked in the White House twice before uh, in times of economic recovery. And what I, what I can tell you is that the economy comes back first and voters internalize that second. Uh, they, they, they need to see that the positive signs they're seeing aren't just temporary. They need to see that they really reflect where we're going as a country. They need to see that really that growth will be shared widely. Uh, they need to see that that growth is lasting. And we're just getting back up off the mat. You know, when we came here uh, 14 months ago, the economy was dead in the water, less than 50,000 jobs a month being created. Uh, we had just been through all these shutdowns and all these uh, all these setbacks in our economy. And, and now we are growing again and we are coming back again. And I think that uh, that progress uh, needs to be fully internalized by the American people. What? You, again, the lie about jobs and job creation, it is a lie. I would rather it wasn't. Let's be clear about a couple of things. Also, if I say let's me be clear again, you are allowed to yell at me. I've been saying that a lot lately, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the cliche guy. So if you could help me out, I, I'd, I'd greatly appreciate that. I would greatly appreciate If you have any tips for how to handle that and how to handle allergies, because this has been nuts. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. Would love the call. If you have an allergy tip for Central Indiana, hot diggity, because this is, if it's going to be like this for the next couple months, uh, that's th- this is going to suck. But let's go back to the two things being said here. First, it's the lie about job creation. Ron Klain is lying through his teeth. 
which I assume is how he got the job to begin with. Ron Klain is Joe Biden's longtime chief of staff, and he was under President Obama the Ebola czar. And when COVID came to our shores, Ron Klain was right there to say, hey, America, hey, President Trump, how can I use this against you and win elections for my guys? Not, hey, how can I help the country? That, that, wasn't, that wasn't Ron Klain. Now, maybe, maybe there was an offer, and I just don't know about it, that he offered assistance and Trump was like, hey, forget this guy, he's a loser. Yeah, I don't know what could have happened or what could have gone down. I don't have that answer. It seems to me they spent a lot of time on cable news talking about Trump this, Trump that, Trump the other, as opposed to being helpful. And he's lying to America. But he's going down this road of Americans have yet to internalize how good things are. And if they would only recognize all the good things that we have done for them, well, that would be it. Don't you know how much better your life is because of us? And it's not new. This was Biden last week. There's a phenomenal negative psychological impact that COVID has had on the public psyche. And so you have an awful lot of people who are uh, notwithstanding the fact that, uh, that things have gotten so much better for them economically. Uh, that they are thinking, but how do you get up in the morning feeling happy? Right. Happy that everything's all right. You see, the problem is the pro- the problem is you, don't you know? By the way, I found the clip. Th- this between Jen Psaki and Jackie Heinrich of Fox News. If you want to know how elitist these people are, the level of just downright snobbery of the political left. Look, look, it is what it is what it is, right? If you were to say to me there was corruption on both sides of the aisle, I'd say to you, yes. If you would say to me there was gerrymandering on both sides of the aisle, yeah, sure, fine. I'm with you there. The snobbery? Listen to this. You just said that, you know, less supply raises prices. It's not in our strategic interest to reduce the supply. We also know, you know, the president as recently as yesterday talked about increasing domestic manufacturing to bring down prices on uh, inflated items like goods. So why not apply the same logic to energy and increase domestic production here? Well, there are 9,000 approved oil leases that the oil companies are not tapping into currently. So I would ask them that question. Is there nothing that the administration can do to get those providers back to pre-pandemic levels? Do you think the oil companies don't have enough money to drill on the places that have been pre-approved? Just asking. I would would point that question to them, and we can talk about it more tomorrow when you learn more. Holy crap. Why aren't they doing... I don't know, could be a supply issue, supply chain issue, could be a labor force issue. Could be that you should have a White House that is promoting the idea of domestic use of oil wells. And wait till we find out the level to which she is lying about what the situation is. The problem isn't our policy. The problem is those greedy oil companies. The problem isn't our economic policies. The problem is those greedy meat packers. You know, the big four meat packers. The problem isn't our policies. The problem is everybody else but us. Oh, and the American people who don't know how great we've made everything. 
You're telling me that the oil companies aren't drilling because they don't want the profit? That's a weird take. But she was not done. Do you think that opening the Keystone pipeline and having more energy-friendly policies might do that? The Keystone pipeline has never been operational. It would take years for that to have any impact. I know a number of members of Congress have suggested that, but that is a proposed solution that has no relationship or would have no impact on what the problem is. We hear all agree is an issue. So during that, those years where it would you know, take to bring down prices, as you're saying, we should just continue to buy Russian oil? Well, again, Jackie, I think you're familiar with a number of steps we've taken, a historic release from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Well, we can, well, let me finish. What we can do over time, and what this is all a reminder of in the president's view, is our need to reduce our reliance on oil. The Europeans need to do that. We need to do that. If we do more to invest in clean energy, more to invest in other sources of of energy, that's exactly what we can do to prevent this. Uh Completely detached from reality. What did I say earlier? It's I think I think we're on to something, guys, with this. Very often we talk about the difference between the conservative and, and the liberal. Right? I talk about it on this show a lot. Although it's not the only things we talk about. And we've been I, I, there are so many more things I want to get into. You have no no idea. And I, I've been slowly making the moves on on the show and, and I'm I'm very happy with the result. I want to keep going. But there, there's some truisms that they, they, they can't be denied. The liberal sees the world in which they want it to be, right? They see the world that they want. They see the world the way they want it to be and try and bend people's view to theirs. The conservative sees the world for the way it is. We have to see Vladimir Putin and this attack on Ukraine, this invasion of Ukraine as it is, not as we may want it to be. We have to see the results in terms of what is happening, people dying, Russian movement, Soberly, We have to see it for what it is, not through the propaganda dream lens of the fight of the Ukrainian people, even though they are fighting, and we should recognize that. We need oil to survive. End of list. She's going to make the argument that there's no need to start up the Keystone XL pipeline because it would take years for the oil to get going. But we should make further investments into her green fantasy that will take years before they're even in a place where they can start producing energy in a way that would actually benefit the masses? The tech isn't there. I wouldn't mind if it was. I'm down for it. What do I care? If you told me the solar panels would really create energy, I'm fine with it. There are some people who have solar panels on their house. Great. Go ahead. Not stopping you. You cannot run the nation without oil. But look how quickly she'll move to her green fantasy. Her green, And by the way, for these people, it is a fetish. It is an absolute, positive, sexual ball gag fetish that these people have. Yes, 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 yes. Ew, David. Depends on how you, how you like your fetishes. But the Keystone Pipeline, that's the problem. That's a remarkable, remarkable statement from the press secretary, and she finishes up. Uh, from happening in the future. We welcome any Republicans from joining us in that effort. As Go long, ahead. As long as we're buying Russian oil, though, aren't we financing the war? Well, Jackie, again, uh, it's only about 10% of what we're importing. Uh, I've not made any announcement about any decision on that front, but our objective here and our focus is making sure that any step we take maximizes the impact on President Putin and minimizes it on the American people. 
That's what she was talking about earlier. That is just... You want the, the disdain, the disgust. The disgust that clearly she has for anybody who should should dare to ask her a question. I mean, it's just something else. You got to see the world for the way it is. You got to see these people for who they are. The governor of Florida, well, some people don't like the way he was talking about masks. Wait to hear the Florida, Florida Surgeon General on the subject. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Over there at MSNBC, they're very open about their hatred of the Constitution of the United States. Now, in your book, Allow Me to Retort, you reframe politics and the Constitution by kind of breaking down how it all impacts voting rights, like you mentioned, uh, LGBTQ rights, abortion rights, the list, as you know, goes on and on. So are you arguing that the Constitution needs to be scrapped altogether? <laughs> sure, but I don't think that's going to happen. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, if we could throw that out and, and start over with a new document that was more inclusive of everybody, that was written by everybody, at no point have black people, brown people, or women had a say in actually writing the Constitution or the amendments to that Constitution. If we could throw that out and have a delegation of all Americans to write a new one, I would be all for that. Okay. That's what they did in South Africa. You know, when they got when they got rid of apartheid, they didn't like tax some amendments onto their apartheid constitution. They threw their apartheid constitution out and they started over. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen here. Um, and so instead of that, what I'm really advocating for is that we interpret our constitution so that it so that we extend justice and fairness and equality to all as opposed to whatever the heck we do now. Wow. First, if you've ever read a South African uh, constitution, uh, be afraid because that has nothing to do with freedom whatsoever. Whatsoever. That's Ellie Mastal. I I think he teaches law. Scary stuff. Tony Katz, great to be with you. The Florida Surgeon General, uh, he's got a a serious issue with masks, and it was a... it was pretty good stuff. In in Florida, you gotta look. You gotta look hard. But you know, if you if you know where to look, you can find them. So I, I brought I brought this right. So unfortunately, we have a country right now where most people, including I mean, this is across across the political spectrum, think that these things are saving lives. So in medicine, in science, we have something called levels of evidence. Okay. And we've got our high-level evidence and lower levels of evidence. And our highest level of evidence are clinical trials. So to the doctors who tell you that these things save lives, ask them, ask them, you know, what, what, did, the, what did the two randomized clinical trials that we've done during the pandemic, what did they show? Ask them that when they tell you that these things save lives. One found nothing, zero benefit. The other found 
a small benefit, like a tiny benefit that's, you know, that's a little bit methodologically shaky. And by the way, none of them, none of them found a benefit in young people. Not a single one found a benefit in young people. That's the highest quality evidence. That's what it showed. Lower evidence is what... All I know is he's going to get thrown off Twitter immediately for saying that. The fact that he's the Surgeon General for the state of Florida, what does that matter? He's unqualified, which they said about a black man, by the way. They just called a black doctor unqualified. And no one calls these people racists. I'm starting to think that maybe when they scream racist, they don't mean it. It's just what they say to try and get people to not like you and dismiss you and dehumanize you. What if they don't mean it at all? Oh, that's going to keep you up at night. That's what that's going to do. Data does matter. One man's theory. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, rumble.com slash Tony Katz, and Twitter, and Parlor and Instagram, and Getter at Tony Katz. You can find me in all the spots if Parlor's even still around. This is Tony Katz today.